Hello, I'm Colin Miller, CEO at the Bracken Group, and this is Fractals, Life Science Conversations. Bracken is the professional services firm for life sciences and digital health organizations. Our intelligence ecosystem fulfills consulting, regulatory, marketing, and analytics needs with an integrated and strategic approach. Today's conversation focuses on due diligence and corporate strategy, which is why I'm thrilled to be joined by Nick Spring, senior partner at the Bracken Group and an expert in both. Nick's record of success in team building, strategic planning, and tactical execution in pharma, biotech, and medical device organizations includes senior executive positions at Merck, Merial, and Relief Band. Nick is also a serial entrepreneur, taking companies from startup through financing stages to exit. Uh, Topaz Pharmaceuticals was an example. Most recently, Nick co-founded BioVerus, bringing blockchain to life sciences. Hello, Nick, and welcome, and thank you for joining me today. Hey, hi there, Colin. Thank you very much indeed for inviting me to what I uh, believe is going to be a great uh, session and a series. So uh, thank you very much indeed. My pleasure. So Nick, not only have you uh, been involved with all the work we've just described, but you've also found time to serve as an adjunct professor uh, for the past decade, I believe. So you're literally teaching the topics you carry out in actual life, pharmaceutical, biotech, and med device entrepreneurship, marketing and commercialization. So with that, in the, in the context of strategic planning, what does an integrated approach mean to you and why is it important? That's uh, an excellent and very fundamental question. And yeah, I mean, during tight stints as being CEOs of companies, I've also found time to contribute back both at the University of Sciences and more recently Wharton. And it's often a question we get asked about, you know, what do you mean by an integrated approach? And I really take it in two uh, levels. The first one is really integrating resources that all companies, whether they be life sciences or anything else, have. And that's really the resources you rely on in any company for the people, the technology, and the money that you have to distribute into various um, initiatives you're doing in the organization. So bearing that in mind, that's very important as a backdrop for any organization. But also, in terms of an integrated approach, I like to take a very structured uh, line. And I've done this certainly um, myself, but also very importantly, when I've been working with the Bracken Group and our various uh, clients. And that is really a four-step process, which is to really analyze the situation very effectively, both from a qualitative and a quantitative point of view, and really understand what the client wants or the business needs. Sometimes they're slightly different. Uh, then, once you've done that together and you've got a commonality, moving into a planning stage where you very clearly state objectives which have to be measured and timed and realistic. Then, also after that, after planning, really you go down into the strategy, what's the company about? And then, very important, the tactical plan laid out month by month, again, with each of the resources you need to marshal to make those things happen your people, your technology, and the cash, and lay that out over a period of time. And then finally, you go into implementation, which is taking that whole plan and making it work. And then having control loops built into that plan 
so that if things need adjustment along the way, you can do it very quickly and nimbly. And I find that full integration, if people actually buy into that and action it, and you've got the right people, the right resources, all aligned, things are often very successful and could be staggeringly so. That's impressive. It's uh, along the old cliche of you plan the work and then work the plan. It's a great approach to the output and uh, a very structured uh, approach there. Must take quite some time to make sure that the pieces are well constructed. Any further insights into that? Yes, I think that's a very interesting point because often as consultants, we get pulled in when things seem to be going south. In fact, I'm much more of the, uh, when I run companies, of bringing people in who are experts in the field very early on, so you can avoid the minefields and the potholes. And, uh, you know, the other element here is so many companies, um, even at startups, don't spend enough time on the analysis step. I mean, it's probably the least exciting because you're not going to hang out and doing stuff. But quite frankly, the more you analyze the situation, you realize which levers to pull, and which ones not to, then that's so much the better. And often you will find that companies, clients are really trying to deal with so much day-to-day -day stuff that they're forgetting the long-term strategy. So they'll trip themselves up by making actions that have maybe short-term minimal gains whilst giving away a, a long-term uh, you know, opportunity. So I think that that's the one thing I would say. The analysis and the planning really, really do make the rest of the thing happen. And I, I just find again and again that companies, even big ones, don't really spend enough time doing that. They're just reacting too much to today's problems rather than anticipating tomorrow's. Yeah, uh, thank you for that. Really interesting insight. So, so moving on um, uh, and using that as a backdrop with, without breaching confidentiality, yeah, can you share an interesting and or unexpected finding as uh, part of a client project? Yeah, actually, I thought of two things, Colin, when I was thinking through this. One was to do largely with the people aspect. I think over the years, and I've been doing consulting on and off since around about 2012, about 10, 11 years, the biggest problem we find in implementing things is much more to do with internal structure and definition and focus of what people should be doing in their jobs and trying to sort that out in a cohesive fashion. And it just gets in the way of the implementation. You get a plan together and then you know, people don't really seem to be structured to know how to implement it. Right. Um, and I think you put it that we should sometimes be talking about you know, psychoanalysis for management. And uh, <laughs> that's probably true. So that's one interesting finding I think that's come up over the years. The other one was more to do, and it, it is a breaking confidentiality because you probably know the company I'm talking about, is when people, entrepreneurs, do something surprising that everybody else has no belief in. And in this particular case, I'm thinking of a company that was working with hyaluronic acid about 10, 12 years ago. I got approached actually as a consultant, actually pulled into the company at one point. Um, and I thought at the time, my goodness, hyaluronic acid, oh gosh, this is the generic of all generics. No, I'm not interested. Well, interesting enough, the guy who founded the company and their team noticed a particularly important uh, element, glitch, if you will, within some regulations where they could retype the product actually as a med device rather than a therapeutic. They went ahead and the company was very successful commercially and a couple of years ago sold for over 200 million. 
uh, actually with no traditional support like VCs or anything else. So for me, that was a real eye-opener and a real surprise. And in fact, I got associated with it and kudos to the people who did it. But that's a sort of surprise to me where people go out completely out of their field and do something that's very exciting, very different. So um, what role does marketing strategy play in projecting future competitive landscapes? I think marketing and selling actually play pivotal roles in any and all businesses and it's a skill set that I think any aspiring entrepreneur or anyone actually within a good organization should get because life is all about selling, whether it's selling an idea, a product, a service, getting people excited and buying in is key critical. So I think marketing, you can argue, is at all different levels. It can be the marketing of yourself as a brand. That's very important. The marketing, actually, of your company to get, say, investment, which is often a common element that we're looking at. But then when you come down to the actual products or service, I often think this is an understated element, um, especially in our business, which is very technically oriented. We tend to hear a lot about the tech a lot about regulatory pathways, clinical trials, which don't get me wrong, key critical to success. However, um, what I've noticed, especially since I started my very first company back in 2005, is that if you're looking for investment or support, having a very good understanding of the market that you're going to be either developing or entering and you know who's competing in there, where you're going to fit, what your actual unique selling points are for your product or service, but become key critical to getting investment. Yeah, thank you. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, with that, maybe I can refer back to one of the earlier um, discussions we had regarding strategic planning and the plan that you recommended putting together. Do you sometimes build timelines into that and then measure those against uh, where you envision you're going to be in six months and tie the two of those together? Yes, I do that actually with all my projects. I normally start most of my projects with an agreement with the client is to put together a project um, objective or memorandum and get their full buy-in and agreement on it so that it's very clear. And I usually couple that with usually laid out in a Gantt chart type format and often we'll put the amount of budget that we will need as we work through this by a monthly basis. So everything is very clear from the get-go. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's uh, always a, a tough challenge. So, so moving more into the topic of due diligence um, specifically, what are the cr crucial components for success there when you're conducting due diligence? So due diligence, depending on how you brought in, I mean, often due diligence is associated with the acquisition of an asset, or alternatively, it can be an M&A, merchant acquisition. My experience with due diligence is it tends to happen rather quickly uh, with a lot of energy and a lot of focus. So I think something that's very, very important is the initial step is to understand what the due diligence expectation is. If it's an M&A, for instance, is going to be going back to the top of this you're going to be looking at everything from the people involved in the organization to the technology to the cash. It's a huge operation, right? We are often brought in with life sciences, particularly looking at technical stuff as well. And invariably, there is a timeline. But I think very importantly with due diligence, accuracy is key. 
Honesty is also very, very important. Understanding the priority what with the client and what they're particularly looking at is also of uh, key uh, importance. So it's speed, accuracy, honesty, trust, transparency are the things that make up a great due diligence project. Yeah, thank you. And it's uh, it's an awful lot of work, as we both know. So. Hello, <laughs> 18 hour days. Yeah. Well, um, changing tack a little bit and uh, knowing that you've been involved in so many technologies, um, we mentioned earlier on, you know, blockchain was, was one example. And I, I know in some of the consulting you do, um, you're involved in a number of different uh, new areas that we're starting to see in the life sciences uh, arena. So looking ahead, which technologies do you think are going to have the most profound impact on the life sciences in the next decade? Well, I, I think the core technology that's going to link everything is basically computers, cybernetics, and also uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning. And I, I believe this is so because we work in an environment that's intensely complex. And I've always been personally very fascinated by the interactions down to cellular, subcellular level, right up to sort of complete organisms and the environment and how everything interacts. The problem is that the complexity of this from basic biochemistry, across the physiology and microbiology, imaging, etc., has been so big that getting your head around it has literally been impossible. We are on the edge, the cusp of being able to actually understand that complexity significantly better. And I've seen AI, for instance, take part in predicting, say, the therapeutic um, interactions of newly identified molecules purely by knowing the molecular structure and interaction and then modeling that into a, a synthetic live environment. In fact, we've seen the, um, the term actually uh, coined that you're now dealing with things in silico as opposed to in vitro and by in silico meaning inside the computer. So I think you're just going to see that grow bigger and bigger and bigger. We've seen consumer-oriented AI available like ChatGPT, which is incredibly powerful. But that's really the tip of the iceberg. And there are huge advances being made in terms of predictive algorithms, etc. I think this is actually on the positive side going to be very good for life sciences and healthcare generally. Looking at the results, say, of diagnostics. And I also think, and this is you know, coming much more to a home, that probably an underrepresented element of the, uh, uh, of the world right now is imaging because the files have been so big and complex that people haven't been able to work their way through them very easily and nobody wants to store them. Well, the storage has become cheaper as accessibility has become better, as AI has begun to work better recognizing, you know, um, pictures, so to speak, I think it's going to have a huge part to play. Interesting. Thank you. Yeah, a fascinating uh, thought process uh, of how things are going to be changing. So with that, given, you know, if you uh, suddenly had the opportunity to invest $100 million in either an industry or society, where would you invest it? I'd probably do something that sort of bridged the gap between both of them. I think that um, personally, I've had a lifelong interest in the environment, um, global warming, the constantly conserving the ocean, etc. 
I couldn't believe the other day, for instance, that down in Florida, the ocean is now 101, which is about the, the same uh, temperature as your hotspot. And it seemed to me crazy uh, that we got to this point. So I would take that 100 million and I would be looking at how we could use accessible technologies. Because I think another challenge the world's now facing is um, drinking water, pure, pure water, not salt water, um, is how we can develop technologies that could preserve or reduce the temperature in the environment and the oceans. Uh, make water available, especially in developing worlds in sub-Saharan Africa, um, available that's clean and drinkable. Uh, but having a bigger, you know, impact also, I think, uh, in developed uh, worlds, Europe here. I mean, I just came back from Greece a week ago or so, and as I left the country, it was just uh, beginning to enjoy a whole outbreak of major fires, just north of Athens. You know, the roads had to be evacuated. We've seen a huge heat dome over the US for, I think, uh, Phoenix had over a month of over 101 degree temperatures. Uh, we've got to tackle this. And I think that, um, you know, through looking at new technologies, which is the industrial side of this, of how to decrease carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, how to make pure drinking water, maybe the sort of things I'd be most interested in trying to help to do. Mm. Yeah, uh, interesting insight, and I'll, I'll I'll look forward to perhaps talking about that a little bit more with you, maybe over a beer one day, because uh, you and I have similar uh, interests there. So thank you. So with, with that, uh, if you can now think about your younger self, and obviously today with all the knowledge that you've gained and 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 the background, if you could speak with your younger self at say age twenty-five, what counsel would you offer? I think slow down a bit. I uh, was consumed with ambition at the time. I mean, it paid off. I did very well in terms of the corporate environment. I think the other thing would be um, probably become an entrepreneur much earlier. I think I didn't really have the confidence and I was doing so well in a corporate environment. And that's something I encourage a lot of other people. And I think the other thing, and this is serious, is to you know, everybody talks about life of balance. At that time, I was just consumed with getting on up whatever value. Uh, I did have one ambition, which I did achieve, which I'm very proud about, which is I thought, ooh, if I could get a job where I could travel the world, that'd be good. So I did that. But and in life sciences, that was another box I checked, which I thought was good. But um, no, I think it was actually taking more time to enjoy life along the way i've spoken with a lot of executives in my position but perhaps it's also the culture of the time because you and i've had this conversation on paper i think at last count my kids said that i've been to somewhere like 120 123 countries it's unbelievable but can i actually remember many of them not really because you're flying through them you're staying at an airport you're staying in a hotel and you're back out again so i think um that would be it and to be yourself much more and do what you need to do. So, but I think that's general uh, sort of feedback you give yourself, maybe your own kids these days, because um, you could get a different perspective. But back then, that seemed the right thing to do. So I don't have any regrets. It's just, that's the advice I give myself looking back. Fascinating, and thank you. Yeah, Nick, thank you. This has been a pleasure ha having a conversation with you. 
covering such a wide uh, series of topics and uh, really appreciate your time today. So thank you so much for, uh, for joining well, us. Thank you very much indeed. And in value of my picture behind you, may the force be with you. <laughs> very good. Fractals is brought to you by Bracken, the professional services firm for life science and digital health organizations. Subscribe to Fractals via your preferred podcast platform. Visit us at thebrackengroup.com or reach out directly on LinkedIn. We'll be delighted to speak with you. I'm Colin Miller, wishing you sound business and good health. Thanks for listening.